Angus at Work, a podcast for the profit-minded cattlemen. Brought to you by the Angus Beef Bulletin, we have news and information on health, nutrition, marketing, genetics, and management. So let's get to work, shall we? Hello and welcome to Angus at Work. I'm Casey Brown. Quality pays something we hear a lot, and it's been the certified Angus beef brand's motto for some time. But I'm sure many producers have wondered over the years, does it really? Results of an ongoing survey say yes. Paul Dykstra has been with the CAB team for two decades, and he shares that they recently crunched the numbers and tallied the premiums to find that not only does quality still pay, it's paying even more these days. Today we have a surprise podcast episode because we decided some good news just can't wait. And as a double bonus of sorts, we've got longtime CIB communicator turned Angus Media editor Miranda Ryman co-hosting with me for the first time. So let's dig in. Well, we are doing a special episode today. Um, We get to talk with Paul Dykstra from Certified Angus Beef. He is the Director of Supply Management and Analysis. We've got some really good news about CAB and... He's going to uh, tell us all about that. Um, Paul, how are you doing this morning? Doing well, Casey. Thanks for having me. Good. Well, let's um, just give everybody just a quick background. What's your background in the beef business? Well, I kind of have a lifetime in the beef business, starting with my youngest years on my uh, dad's commercial cow-calf operation in western Colorado. But bringing that up into uh, adult years, um, I've been a certified Angus beef now for 20 years. Most of my working years have been right here uh, at the certified Angus beef brand. But prior to this, um, I spent about three years at the Meat Animal Research Center in Clay Center, Nebraska, uh, managing the feed yard for that operation. Paul, we heard that CAB has some good news. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, we have lots of good news all the time, it seems like. But I think today what's most pertinent is the fact that we just conducted our biannual packer premium survey. And that's a survey that's been conducted now for 24 years. And the purpose of that is to simply survey our licensed certified Angus beef brand packers to find out how many dollars they have aggregated for um, premiums, pay back to feed yards or cattle suppliers if you will, for carcasses that have met certified Angus beef brand specs. So it's, it's, um, it's all aggregated together and the data is, uh, is simply meant to, to kind of test to see if we're getting dollars back in premiums uh, to where they belong, back to the producer sector. And um, we just kind of concluded that uh, survey recently and really excited to report that uh, that total is up from two years ago. We reported 92 million uh, in premiums for the year 2019. And in 2021, the number was 192 million. And that was uh, a bit of a surprise. But when we look back through some of the data, we can kind of start to understand that. But Certainly good news. I mean, that really is the driving force behind the brand, right, in terms of getting premiums uh, back through the production chain. So it's a it's very positive thing to share. One thing that I noted when I look at that chart is that we often think about premiums coming as maybe things get more scarce, like there's fewer of them, they, they cost more. And we think about 
used car values right now, for example, and, and other things like that. But really, that's not the case with CAB supply chart in tandem with this premium chart, is it, Paul? That's true, but we have to look at that really in two separate ways. First of all, yes, we are producing collectively as a, as a beef production chain uh, you know, record volumes of carcasses weekly for the certified Angus beef brand. And if, especially if we look across that timeline for this survey period, this 24 years, the growth in the brand supply has certainly been more or less exponential. It's really, really it's grown tremendously uh, in that period. And I would say, especially in the last 15 years, but nonetheless, we've continued to see growth. It's not, it's not straight line growth. We're not always every year producing more, but indeed we are at record levels in the last couple of years. But at the same time, demand has grown really strong in the last few years as well. Brand recognition has increased with consumers. And so we need more product to supply the chain. As well, since we are talking about um, the last couple of years, we can't discuss this without discussing the backlog of fed cattle and restricted packer production speeds. So even though the totals for the, 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 uh, the years we're speaking of are large, the amount demanded by end users has also been large and supply has not been adequate to uh, take care of that demand. So it's kind of it's kind of on two separate ways that we, we look at the, the topic. Um, in general, I'd say the premium values that we're seeing are reflective of more of a larger demand than we have supply. Paul, you talked about that backlog um, and we've heard about that quite a lot. Can you explain how that actually helps with higher quality products? Well, the backlog had an unforeseen impact, I suppose, or at least an impact that we had not experienced in modern history with uh, the way fed cattle outcomes uh, were determined because the number of days on feed uh, were certainly extended for a period of time throughout the backlog beginning in March, 2020, but really experienced uh, wholeheartedly in the summer of that year and beyond out through uh, early 21. And one could say we're even seeing some effects uh, through today as well. But the, the bottom line is that we fed cattle as a, as a feeding sector longer than anticipated because we simply couldn't get the animals harvested on time. As a result, we saw cattle with uh, enhanced marbling, but of course also a larger number of yield grade four and five carcasses. Of course, the latter item there is, is not positive and we, we don't like to see that uh, occur in terms of the amount of waste and the excess fat. But again, it was, it was a market force that could not, be, could not be changed and it was no individual's fault that that occurred. Um, but what we've also seen following up through the, the, the tail end of the backlog is that as we've had a, an abundance of finished market-ready cattle on the market and a, a restricted ability to process animals through the packing plants, even this fall, in the fall of 2021, uh, we saw packers uh, show their preference for the kind of cattle that they wanted to harvest. And when there are multiple pins available on the show list, um, packers kind of weeded through the pins and on certain weeks, they, they chose uh, the pins that 
showed the highest uh, ability to achieve certified Angus beef standards and of course the prime grade, et cetera, really just seeking out the marbling rich, uh, high consumer demand kind of cattle. And in doing so, they also at times left some of the, uh, the cattle that appeared to be the, the poorer grading type cattle. Uh, they left those cattle standing in the pans at times. And that's uh, something we've heard from several, several sources and observed uh, in, in the trade last fall. So in some ways, it's kind of like, a, I don't know, risk management, an untraditional risk management if you have those high quality cattle. I think quality is always a hedge. It doesn't matter if we're talking about cattle or any other commodity or good. But yes, certainly that applies. If you have the, the kind of animals in this case that are most preferred by the end user, then when it comes time to offer those up to the market, why obviously they're going to be the first ones uh, uh, chosen from the list. So I, I certainly agree that's true. We've heard that that prices have been changing quite a bit recently. What do you, what should cattlemen think of ahead of time so that they can get those those better prices? Well, I think back at the cow-calf sector, I think it just stands to reason that we ought to be choosing genetics that fit our customers' needs, right? And so as more cattle feeders, merchandise, fed steers and heifers on some kind of a, a value-based grid or a formula that rewards carcass quality, we'll see, you know, we see continued demand by feeders for, for groups of calves and, and feeder cattle that will hit the, uh, the carcass targets. Uh, and of course that carries through to the packer and then on down to uh, the retail and food service sector. That demand is throughout the chain. So as cow-calf producers, first of all, we ought to be placing some selection emphasis on carcass traits. Not that it has to be the first item on our list. We have a, uh, a number of needs in our genetic package, of course, at the ranch, but let's place some emphasis on marbling, some product yield, keep those uh, levels above average and striving for excellence with everything else in mind. Uh, and that way we're kind of setting the stage with uh, a calf crop that will result that uh, will be preferred by those on down the, uh, down the supply chain. And same thing for feed yards, of course, procuring cattle that have some, some carcass merit background uh, specific to this discussion about certified Angus beef and, and carcass outcomes. And I think it just uh, makes good sense to procure animals that have a higher propensity to, to hit the, uh, the targets. That's probably a good point, Paul. I've probably close enough to this topic that I assume assume folks all know exactly what we're talking about when we say to hit the certified Angus beef specs. But we can put a link in our show notes, of course. But could you give us just a, you know, the top four reasons that that cattle might not make CAB, or maybe the the top areas for a producer to focus on? Sure. Far and away, the most important of our ten carcass specifications is marbling. Now, at the same time, all 10 of those specs are very important to product quality. But as we look at the animals that are eligible for the certified Angus beef brand, nine out of 10 times, the animals that are unsuccessful when, they're, uh, when that carcass goes across the grading stand, they're unsuccessful because they lack sufficient marbling. And that's that upper two thirds choice up into prime requirement. So you have to say, Marbling is, is the trait of, uh, of focus here. Um, but the additive maybe 
two or three other items that are under control of the production sector and, and can be impacted through decision-making. Uh, we look at uh, carcass weight, of course, in the modern era, as we set all-time record high carcass weights, that's very important. And we can't, for our brand, we can't exceed 1,050 pounds. And we do see at times of the year when carcass weights are at their heaviest, uh, a number of animals exceeding that. So we need to watch that and get cattle marketed on time. And at the same time, recognize that there are you know, economical reasons to, to feed cattle to heavy weights. But as well, uh, back fat thickness exceeding one inch. You know, I always say one inch is certainly not a target. It's the maximum uh, allowed for the brand. So we see some animals fall out uh, in the last couple of years, specifically when we have had to overfeed cattle or feed them longer than we had anticipated. That's been a problem. Uh, and ribeye size. And we've got that 10 to 16 square inch window of acceptability for the brand. Uh, we see in this time frame again, you know, carcasses that are exceeding that 16 inch high uh, maximum uh, more often than we'd like. So those, those three items beyond, um, beyond marbling are important, uh, but um, marbling again, far and away the most impactful to, uh, to any, you know, the success of any pen or load of cattle when it comes to making the brand. And so if producers have the kind of cattle that they think um, will be in demand by that feeding sector, the ones that are capturing these premiums, what are some of the ways that they can maybe act on capturing that? I think it's one of the all-time challenges of the cow-calf sector is to, to get what we believe we deserve for our calves, right? And most of us, if we have that opinion of our own scenario, we tend to think that we deserve more than the average. And hopefully that's the case. Um, for anyone. Uh, so to, to achieve that, you've got to get at least one, but preferably two, three, four, five uh, bidders also believing in that story, that our calves are indeed above average and worth the extra premium that they might pay uh, to purchase them. So that's, first of all, a relationship business. Uh, I feel like uh, uh, we kind of beat this one over the head, but it's it's not going to go away. The more people that we can know as, as marketers marketers of feeder cattle, the better off we'll be. Uh, it's a networking game, uh, not just a game, but a sincere effort to, to build trust and relationships across the sectors of the production chain. Uh, but after that, of course, kind of a resume builder is, is very key. And we see examples of that a lot in the market today where cow-calf folks or even stalker operators may you know, get involved in a program such as Angus Link, pretty good example, right, from the Angus camp, where we can verify certain claims of uh, whether it be genetics, through that genetic merit scorecard, or whether it be some other production claims under the umbrella of the items offered under Angus Link. Just one example, I think one very good avenue for folks to pursue a resume building exercise for their calf crop. And a lot of these things too can be done just, just on your own in describing genetics and describing management for the marketplace uh, and doing an exemplary job of getting that information in the hands of those potential buyers. And that's, that's very key, uh, along with, of course, the, the general marketing type information. So, um, Lots of good stuff there and ways that folks, I think, can, 
can push the marketing envelope a bit uh, beyond just thinking of that on on sale day itself. Excellent. Um, Paul, you mentioned some really great tips of what we need to think about. But one other thing as we're marketing, um, our calves to reach these premiums have to be better than that plant average. Is that correct? That's true. Uh, Packers don't tend to want to pay a premium for a load or a group of cattle that are below average. So they're always taking a look at what their weekly their weekly buy is or what their average in the plant might be for the week across you know, all of the carcass trades. So as carcass quality has improved over time, and again, I'd say dramatically in the last 15 years, uh, the bar continues to be higher and higher each year. We've seen that happen, and we've talked about it many times previously uh, through through our communication that uh, you know, excellence is is even more excellent uh, each year. So we've got to continue to to press on and look at percentages of say CAB qualified carcasses or prime carcasses, whichever of the quality measures you want to look at. Those numbers need to be higher and higher every year to continue to press the envelope from a, from a premium perspective. So the quality target keeps moving up, but the premiums are there to reward people who do do the extra work. Yeah, the, the premiums are certainly there. Uh, the, again, the bar is higher, so we need to, we need to achieve a little higher level. Um, for instance, today, about 38% of of eligible carcasses uh, reach the certified Angus beef standard. So uh, depending on which packer we're speaking of, they certainly do not all have the same pricing structure. But at some packers, you need to be able to exceed that number before you start to achieve premium. Now, once once that 38%, for instance, is surpassed, why the premiums are quite healthy, but you sure, sure have to beat average in that case. But we've been Real fortunate again. Let's let's be honest about the the fed cattle market. The past couple of years has been very tough, and the feed yard share of the wholesale carcass dollar has been lower than uh, than any of us would like to see. And I think we all kind of understand some of the dynamics behind that. But with the base price discovery aside, this premium about uh, this premium discussion uh, has been exciting because we've seen in the last year you know, a record wide choice select spread, uh, some of the all time highest certified Angus beef premiums in any given week for the year. Um, and the top end of that average premium range for CAB carcasses also uh, the widest we've seen. And that includes prime as well. We could talk about prime and the records set on prime premiums. So there is definitely some very positive uh, outcome that we've seen in the last couple of years. That's really terrific information, Paul. And if folks want to stay updated on that on kind of a, a regular basis, you author that CAB Insider. How can folks make sure that they get access to that or get that in their inbox? Well, they can just jump on uh, our website, cabcattle.com, and follow uh, the news link there toward uh, the Insider and just click in and uh, give us your email. We'll send it direct to you every two weeks and we won't sell your your email address either. So you can get some good news from us, uh, hopefully relevant relevant to the cattle industry every couple of weeks. 
All right. Well, Paul, I think that's a perfect way to wrap this up, but we all know that the cattle business is really the people business. So would you share something good that's happened, whether it's personal, professional, or both? Oh, gosh, I just feel, uh, <laughs> feel pretty blessed this season, I guess, from a personal perspective. I, it's just nice to, uh, to live in a country where we are, uh, we think, relatively safe, right, with all the things going on in the world. And uh, mm-hmm. for those that have traveled internationally and seen other uh, other societies that may be not as fortunate uh, for me personally to to have a, a warm safe place to live and a family around me and and some cows to take care of outside of my day job that's actually quite a wonderful uh, place to work here at Certified Angus Beef. I don't know what else more I could uh, could ask for. All right, that's great. You can find more information on CAB premiums in the Angus Beef Bulletin Extra, but the price primer is the theme of this summer's feeder calf marketing guide. So get excited for this year-round resource that will hit mailboxes in June. Make sure you're subscribed to all of our Angus Beef Bulletin publications by visiting angusbeefbulletin.com extra. That's E-X-T-R-A. If you're finding these podcasts helpful or interesting, we would love it if you would subscribe, leave a rating, or simply share it with other profit-minded cattlemen. This has been a bonus episode of Angus at Work. Stay tuned April 13th for our next one with Miranda Ryman and Ron Scott. Thanks for listening.